previously on Stand Up Memories. What is this? Come on. He said, that's you, man. Do you have that moment? Do you have that spark? I just came home from a pleasure trip. I took my wife to the airport. <laughs> Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. That's a great advice. Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter side... I'm not done laughing at my joke! Okay. I know a lot of things and I share them on the podcast and you don't care. What are we talking about? I can't get a word in edgewise on this show. I mean, it's... Here's how we sell it. Okay. I tell people because <laughs> the Crescent Beach Club is, a, is yes. a glorious restaurant on the water in Babel. And before it was the Crescent Beach Club, <clears throat> it was an old wooden clam diggers bar. With and they used to have the, the, these big shacks out in the park, not the parking lot, but in the front yard that just had roofs but no <laughs> sides where they had clam bakes and yeah. lobster bakes and everything like that. And I put on a show there in '79, and I mean. Carol Liefer and Paul Reiser and Jerry Seinfeld and Rick Overton, everybody yeah, worked that yeah. stupid show. And I had a big hand-painted <laughs> banner. You know, the, I'll never forget, because I, I called it the Long Smiling All-Star Comedy Review. And Ron Richards said, if you're going to go to that much trouble, you might as well spell comedy with a K. <laughs> <laughs> and we did the show, and then I went to Fort Lauderdale and did a couple of weeks, and they invited me to go on a Windjammer barefoot cruise. So I went on a cruise for a week, and they shanghaied me and kept me a second. So I'm away for like three weeks now. And I come home, and Red McCready, my friend, picks me up at the airport. And um, I got off the plane, and I said, all right, what's the worst news? He says, we lost the gig at Reinhardt's. I said, we packed the place every, every week. They're making a fortune, it's the greatest show. Why did they cancel it? He said, <laughs> Reinhardt's was a huge bar and there was a fake wall that to, to, uh, seg to, to, you know, to divide the, because the room was so huge, it was a fake wall with a door in it. And I guess I was on stage about to start the show and the door opened, they were having a council meeting and the Bayville Board of Governors, what it is, I guess came out of the door and, and Red said, that while you're getting ready to start the show, you're on stage just starting the show, and the council came through the door, and you you told the mayor that he had a bald forehead from doing U-turns under the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> so that was I'm like, that's a funny joke. It's how a great joke. How could he not laugh? I think you told thousands of people that over the oh, years. Oh, well, my God. Vinny, the, the owner of Neptune Pub, where the band <laughs> played for 10 years, that's, that's where yes. I stole that joke. Oh. But, you know, the, the gigs were so much fun. But in the it really was the Wild West in the beginning. It was. One, one time I had to turn off, I think they were in triple overtime. And I didn't know anything from hockey in those days. And I was with Carol Liefer and a couple other city people. For all I know, you were there. And the owner basically said, if you don't start the show, you're not getting paid. And I knew that I had to absorb and pay. And I climbed up and... These guys are sitting at the bar watching probably the, the Islanders, Islanders when they were incredible. They were, and I turned it off. <laughs> I remember Carol Leifer was like, you know, 
you earn your money, you know. I was on stage at Rascals Comedy Club in New Jersey when Mookie Wilson let the ball go through his legs in the 1986 World Series. And I heard the cheering upstairs, and I felt so alone. I, there were just a few people, <laughs> but they, the show must go on. Absolutely, absolutely. That's crazy. I mean, the, the, it was the Wild West. That's the best way to put, a, put it. I've seen, and you've seen, outrageous things. Comics talk about the outrageous things because most nights are great. You know? Yeah, you never, you know, did you hear that Bales killed in Boston? Oh. No. Did you hear that Minervini killed in Florida? No. Did you hear that Rob Bartlett died in Kansas City? Yeah. Tell me that. Tell me that. <laughs> That's right. Or know. the power goes out or there's a fight or something like that. You know the famous line where your parents' first cousins, which is now no, uh, only a hack comedian would do it. I was there when somebody said it for the first time. The comic strip, Jack Grayman, on very late, crowd is burned out, I'm in the back, he's bombing with a capital B, an awkward silence, and one member of the audience goes, were your parents first cousins? And the comics died laughing, we fell over in the back, and we started doing that as a heckle line, and the rest is history. That, I that's saw so it. fun, that's I so saw fun. It. The, one of my best heckle lines, I, I got the same way. I was uh, on stage, and somebody, when somebody heckles you, you try and shut them up, but you can't respond every time they say something, especially when it's one of these kind of rowdy crowds. You pick your spots. So he heckles you, and you shut them up, and you wait a while. Do you and they heckle, hold on, and then, and then you, so this some guy, I don't, it was Shirley's in Louisville, Kentucky, and this guy called out, and then a little while later he called out, and after about the third time he called out, I'll never forget, there was an aisle, and this huge woman, she was the size of a house, was sitting there, and she turned to the guy and said, if we wanted to hear you, we'd have went to your house. <laughs> <laughs> That's and I, so funny. And I use that forever, because it's so <laughs> innocent. I oh was now Stump the Joke Man is a phenomenon because you have an encyclopedic knowledge of jokes and it really is impossible to stump you. But I was at a show when you were stumped and I just think it's so funny. Uh, a guy said to you, hey Jackie, here's the, he's trying to stump you. What goes up and down without warning? And you didn't you didn't have an answer, which was amazing. And then and then the guy goes, Your weight. Uh, I remember that like it was it was Club <laughs> Binet. And he got Binet and the guy seven hundred people and the guy was in the corner. <laughs> and the place went nuts because they were all Stern fans <laughs> and they'd watch me on Nutrisystem and off Nutrisystem. Because you were thinking he had a real joke, but oh. he actually had written that for them. It was so great. Oh, they exploded. I have so many stories. There's one guy at a place in Lake Apotkong, those Palazzo's oh. gigs, that, that really was the Wild West, you know, in the barrooms. And I was on stage playing something, Joke Man, and some guy way in the back goes, Jackie, where's your license plate? And I said, I don't know. And he went like this, <laughs> and he took off, and I was like, was, I, and people told me like a couple weeks later, they went into that bar, you know how the bartender has crap behind it? My license plate was just up there, you know. Said joke man. Joke man. So oh. much fun. So much fun. Oh, so you drove home without a license plate. So, yeah. Oh. I don't know if it was from the front or the back, but it just, it just. <laughs> That's. I, the stories, you know, oh. I had one girl, 
and it was it was on the Rascals Comedy Hour. It was literally on television. And the girl came up and stumped me with a Jewish joke. And it was such an easy joke. It was the kind of joke where I would know, that I would know every joke like that in the world. And I and I just drew a blank. And I and she told me the answer, and I was like. I can't believe I didn't get that. And she said, neither can I, because I stumped you with the same joke right here two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> just for some reason, it was just A mental said, block. You know, the first time I saw Otto and George was at the Rainy Night House in Queens, which was this long and this wide. So the stage was here. So there was room for like one row of, row of tables here with the room for the waitress here. And Otto and George were there. And we were... So in the beginning of everything. Yeah. And me and Bartlett were sitting. If this is Otto and George, and here's the, the, the aisle, and here's me and Bartlett. We don't know what to expect. And th there's like the stage, a row of tables, the aisle, another row of, ta another row of tables. And Otto and George get up there. And um, he's got George. And they, you know, hello, how you doing? And we're wondering... Uh, and out of a clear blue sky, and this is, <clears throat> you, you're still naive enough to think that <clears throat> a lot of the stuff people are making up as they go along, and you find out that 99.9% of, even the ad libs are ad libs. I'm, I mean, I got hundreds of ad libs, some of them that I started in 1979, but you, you keep them because they're funny. He was doing an advanced kind of comedy where it was so bad it was good, like the producers. Right, right, right. So, um, so, so bad it was crazy good. over the top. And that's why we went to see him, because it was over the top and so bad it was good. Do you know John Schuller? Sure, sure. So worked John, for him a million times. John Schuller is such a nice guy, and Minervini disappeared in the early days and went to Florida for a couple months. And that's where he befriended Jackie Mason, and he wanted to bring in Mason back, and Jackie Mason opened the Eastside Comedy Club. It was the opening week of the Eastside Comedy Club, and we all took turns opening for him, and it was very exciting. But Minervini has a horrible reputation for, for taking people's... But who cares? It's his personality. He could read the phone book. He's just being funny. But he came back from Florida, and he's got... 20 minutes of this killer show. And we're like, wow, Richie's really on fire. And then like a year later, John Schiller moves oh. to New York or to Connecticut. Oh. And all of a sudden, he's booked at the East Side. And he starts his act, and we're like, there's Richie's 20 minutes. You know, General Patton and all of them. So funny, so funny. They're comics who talk about going into a club for a week, and they start doing their act. And the guy who was there the week before had stolen so much stuff from them that they go, hey, you know, you're doing Joey's act. No, it's my act. Did, I'll tell you a, a story that happened so long ago that there was still a phone in the comedy condo in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Think about how long ago that was, because there was wow. only a phone there for five minutes. <clears throat> And I'm, I think it was the first time I ever worked there, or the second time I ever worked there, and I'm brand new, and I'm so thrilled to be on the road because I'm so new. And the only reason I got the gig is because I brought Rodney Dangerfield there when you guys yeah. were there. So I'm sitting there, and the phone rings. I'm there with Adam Leslie. The phone rings. And I say, hello, and this is Mark Schiff. And completely, completely for no reason at all, I say, oh, Mark, that's really funny that you'd call. We're just sitting around trying to decide who's going to do your act tonight. And he says, that's why I'm calling. Is Adam Leslie there? 
Oh. Adam had been at Yuck Yucks, oh. had to do a second or third show, didn't have the material, and did what he remembered of Schiff's act, <laughs> and he didn't know Schiff, and Schiff came in the next week, and people, that's Adam Leslie's act. <laughs> and you said, that's, oh, I didn't, the, the classic thing of all time is when the guy's on the phone and you don't hear, you just hear, but I, I, oh, I, oh, God. So that's so, probably the origin of what I brought up. I probably heard that from you. Oh, it's, it's so funny. Oh, it's, it's so just funny. amazing. Oh. I, I, I never get sick of it. So, so the bottom line of this interview, if that's what we're calling it, is you know, we're doing a benefit very soon for an old comic friend that uh, is having some medical problems. And I, I always wonder, if you and me and Bartlett sat like this on stage and told these stories, do you think the crowd would like it or do you think that? I think this show is gonna find an audience, definitely. I think it'd be gold, right? I think it would too. Absolutely. But this, but <clears throat> the bottom line is, I mean, this stupid show that I'm doing, it's just an excuse for me to talk about myself a little bit, but it's a whole different thing when we're both talking <clears throat> when we have similar things, but that's that's so cool. You know, I was in plays when I was a kid, but I was just petrified, and I, you know, I didn't do anything. Like, I'm one of those kids in first grade. I was a candy cane. <laughs> you know, like you know, it's like the equivalent of in football. You know, you do this, you do this, and oh, uh, Martley, you go long. <laughs> like they don't have anything for you. To I was do. in Carousel in high school, and on the program it said Peter Bales dot dot dot. 11th Sailor. That was an incredible, I had such a big role. <laughs> that is, that's so, in high school, oh, this is a great high school play story. We did a serious, they did a serious play. And what is the point? You know, it should be fun and goofy, and this is not the, the chorus, a musical like I was in Fiorello, but you know, I had a small part, and, um, different musicals, but this was the, the senior play. And they chose a senior play that called Letters to Lucerne. And the premise was, it's all the girls in a girls' school from all different countries, and the war escalates. And there's a German girl, there's a Jewish girl, there's an Italian girl, you know, and all of a sudden the war escalates. And I was one of the girls, I was the German girl's brother and I think my girlfriend was Jewish, whatever, but it, at intermission, everybody went out to get a smoke and I got killed, okay? <laughs> but the opening, I had to walk in and all the girls are there and I leaned over and I had to kiss a girl on the lips. And when you do the show, they do the show Friday and Saturday, but Friday afternoon, you do it for the school body and all my buddies were in the front oh. row, and I leaned over to kiss this girl, and my buddy, in a stage whisper, goes, kiss her on the... Oh, my God. All right. And it was, it was <laughs> priceless. But meanwhile, the main thing and is... And the amazing thing was you did it. <laughs> so, so the premise is that the war escalates so much, and I get shot down and get killed, and they're in this 1940s school, and there's a huge old-time radio. And during intermission, the radio comes out, and the girls in the play are like eight or ten 
buddies. They're, they're, yeah. they're high school seniors. They're all really good pals. So this, the play was good. They were very realistic. And I don't, I'll never know if he did it on purpose. When, when they started auditioning people for the role of Hans, only one guy went out for the role, John Kramer, who was like a 210-pound Jewish kid. And like, he wasn't Hans. And they came to me and said, Jackie, <clears throat> you got to be in the play because you can't <laughs> yeah. be. So John Kramer became the stage, right. stage manager. So I don't know whether he did this on purpose, but here's all these girls. Oh, it's so bad. Hans got killed. And now, and the point is, the letters came from the families and they stopped letting the letters through to the girls yeah. because they didn't yeah. want to know what, what yeah. was going on. So, you know, when I, blah, 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 blah. And one of the girls, had to turn, she said, look, they've even taken out the radio. And he didn't take out the radio. Oh. So when she said, look, they've even taken the radio, and there it is. The girls, instead of, nobody had the show business sense to say, wait, it's a mistake, take out the radio, All right, now let's, they went through the entire heartbreaking scene, giggling. And you know, like in class when you don't want to giggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, Drama coach was going to commit suicide. There was a big deal. They not commit suicide, but they weren't going to do the play the next night because she was so upset. It was the it was the biggest scandal, and nobody. We never found out if John Kramer left it there on purpose. But it's very funny. I have to tell you this story. We're just talking. John Barrymore was an incredible classic actor, but he, his downfall was he had a serious drinking problem. But late in his career, they found a role for him in a Shakespeare play as one of the counselors. And the little messenger boy comes in and he says to the counselors, my Lord lies dead on the battlefield. He messed up his line because if the Lord is dead on the battlefield in the first act, you can't finish this play. <laughs> you know, the whole thing is messed up. And John Barrymore was brilliant enough to improvise in Shakespearean language Knave, dost thou not mean my lord lives grievously wounded on the battlefield? And the kid picks up and goes, yes, 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 he's grievously wounded uh, uh, on the battlefield, and I will bring my message back to him. And he runs off, and, and John Barrymore goes, that's good, because thou hast fucked up enough for one night. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> just classic. <laughs> That's a classic story. You know, and when things like happen like that, there's people in that, somebody has, has been telling that story to the people that they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Marx Brothers did a thing where they all, when it was your birthday, you got, they were doing some stage play, and it was your birthday, you got, everybody yeah. chipped in, you got a bathrobe. And then they chipped in, and you got a bathrobe. But all of a sudden you realize there's a lot of people and a lot of bathrooms and a lot of money so that somebody said, all right, we're going to cut it off. And they must have cut it off just before Groucho's birthday. <clears throat> and they're in the middle of the play and there was a trunk on stage. Oh. And, and in the middle of the play, the trunk opens up and Groucho stood up and says, where's my goddamn bathroom? <laughs> and of course the audience has no idea. But imagine being that audience and telling that story for the rest of oh. the you know. Peter O'Toole was in a play in London. Uh, and they played a joke on an actor who made an entrance upstage center, marched right down to the front of the stage and gave a dramatic soliloquy. And what they did was they measured a fishing hook and a line exactly perfectly 
so that when he went down to the center stage to give his soliloquy, marched down there, um, it was perfect to pull his wig off. They put the hook on him right before, on his wig, right before he made his entrance, and he walked down perfectly, and, and oh. the, the wig goes flying off. Oh. I love, that's just fun. I mean, it's just oh, that, silliness. You, you, you can't, you cannot get enough of oh. that. You can't get I love enough. it, I love it. Me and Bates and Herbie, <clears throat> the off-hour rockers, wound up breaking up. And of course, we had a couple of gigs left, like at Neptune's, and it was all my songs, and all my mostly me telling the jokes. You know, my I used to yell at my partner because he wouldn't write songs, and yeah. so we did. So it was the classic thing, my my classic show business story of where there's a three man band, and they said, Jackie, we're leaving to start our own band, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, if there's three people in the band, <laughs> if two people leave, that's throwing me out of the band. But the last night. I had a foot tambourine with a piece of wood across the bottom with a piece of uh, rubber on top of it. And I was going to bring it today, and it was in my left foot. And that's, you know, I'd, I'd stomp it on the wild songs and just tap it on the other songs. They screwed it to the stage. Oh. It still has the holes where they screwed oh. it. And the first time I went to lift my leg, it was like Christmas for them. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, you son of a bitch. And yeah. the last thing you said to the off-hour rockers as you were leaving was, <laughs> Come on! Come on! <laughs> hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? It's starring me, Peter Bales, and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martin. Please follow us on social media. Search it out. What is it? MeSpace? MySpace? Your space? TikTok, Instagram. Facebook. Do da, do da. <laughs> <laughs>